Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 241. Joining us after a two-year hiatus is our good friend Derek Princeton-Crossman, talking about Utica's DRI initiative. The public open house for DRI is Thursday, February 6th, from 4.30 to 7 at the Thinkubator. So if you're interested in downtown revitalization and some of the plans they have going forward, check out this event. So we had a conversation with him about that. Uh, also this week, we went over a little bit about the Super Bowl, primarily the commercials and the, and the halftime show because the game was just fine. Uh, we talked a little about the Iowa caucuses, a little about the coronavirus. We'll talk about uh, weirdest food combinations, so send us some of your weird food combinations and you get to the end. All of this, folks, and so much more. As always, we are uh, wildly happy, crazily happy that you are here. As always, we love you. Crazily. Crazily. I don't even know. I couldn't come up with a good one. All right. You'd have guessed episode 241. Yeah, so a lot of times Kev gives me a hard time on this show for being like, don't tell people we're going to have a short show. But I'm getting the impression that at any moment, Heather could be pulled away from this show by any text message. I think our time with her is limited. It's limited. Is I'm getting, it's Kevin. precious time right oh, now. I'm going to turn my ringer off right now. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Heather, it's nice to have you back. Uh, but you're dealing with the same problem you had last week, yes? Yeah, because Percy just wasn't feeling well, so I just, he wanted to be with mom. So I have to child. take the child over, over yeah. the show, unfortunately. And um, not unfortunately, but for, you know. So then this week he has a fever. So, mm. but I'm staying. He's our grandma's or something. But you're saying he doesn't have the symptoms? No, no cold, just uh, just a fever. Are you sure that this is not the coronavirus? Have you thought of? Have you been hypochondriac enough to assume? Not yet. Is, not he yet. He knows after just got off a plane. Oh no. But um, <laughs> oh, no. No, uh, I think it's probably like, could be like strep throat or something. Like mm. that. So. You guys are pretty sickly for like a family that gets out and about and does does the things. It's so because much. we were introduced when Cass are daycare. We get introduced mm-hmm. to all these viruses that yeah. we haven't been around in like thirty years. So yeah. that's what happens. Yay! <laughs> uh, that's right. I've been pretty stressed out today too. Um, I've said very few words to anybody since I got home. This is the most I've spoken since I've been home. It's true. It's, wow, that's cool. true. I mean, I don't need to make this show a weekly like. Uh, like stress relief session about my time as a student teacher but man i am stressed out these kids i am struggling (laughs) to get over with these kids and i'm not saying get over it's just i don't know how i guess i don't know how any teachers who are out there listening please reach out to me and let me know i don't know how to get modern day like teenagers ninth and tenth graders to care about anything i present to them i've tried multiple different angles on stuff i've tried video content i've tried just like chatting it up with them and doing my whole me shtick. thing my whole shtick i've tried letting them do like computer-based work on their own and they're all everything is boring i don't understand i don't understand what kids would do today if you just gave them free license to do whatever they wanted like all day they're long. just on their phone yeah but i don't even Same know what th- you would have done back in the school is boring back when we were in school too 
Did we have less yeah, excuse? I was on AIM whenever I could be on AIM. Nobody let us have phones. That's about it. I didn't have access to, like, AIM or any of that stuff when I was in school. Yeah, it wasn't even really a thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But even now, like, other teachers seem to take this in stride. And I don't know if it's just... Because well, the, the kids know that you're just there for a little bit of time. They know that you've got no actual juice or authority. <laughs> they know. You're just a student teacher. Like, yeah, whatever, guy. Like, I've seen that. Uh, that was the time when you knew it was free time. In school. Yeah, and that I think... Yeah, we didn't eat student teachers and substitutes alive. Well, you know, that's where I think that uh, I have frustrated them, is because I refuse to, like, let them do nothing, right? Like, I refuse yeah, yeah. to let them, like, walk all over me, or at least I'm trying not to, but... Uh, I think you should just start watching a lot of uh, movies about, like, teachers that come into, you know, tough schools and win the kids over as hearts yeah, and like minds. Yeah, mean, I mean. Like the substitute? Uh, Dangerous Principal. Minds. Dangerous Minds. There you go. Dangerous yeah, yeah. Minds of Michelle Pfeiffer. Wait, substitute's like a horror movie, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not the Can movie. Either he kills the kids or the kids kill him. I can't remember what goes on. Yeah, it's Dangerous Minds. I don't think I've ever actually seen Dangerous Minds. Is Dangerous Minds a good movie? Yeah, it's all right. what I remember. <laughs> they should so reboot Dangerous though. Minds. Nah. No. They already have in other, other ways. Um... So yeah, that was my stress uh, from today, and I'm trying really hard to move past it. Uh, so guys, I have a couple things to talk about, three major topics this week. Uh, let's start with the Super Bowl, which happened last night. Heather, we missed you at the Super Bowl party last I night. I was had a sick kid. I know. Did you? So let me ask you this. At home, with your sick child, did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Um, like we don't... Well, Zach sometimes watches football. We don't usually, but because Kaz has never experienced it, I wanted to like put like stuff on the table and turn the game on for him, mm-hmm. like introduce him to football. And... Oh. <laughs> I saw your tweet about it. It's like this is boring. He's like, this is boring. It's taking forever. And I'm like, <laughs> it does take forever. I'm like, you're boring. right. And he's like, but he's like, can we watch Paw Patrol? And I'm like, no, we're watching the game. So <laughs> we have to get into this. <laughs> Why? I just wanted him to experience it and just get mm. an idea then. Then I, mean, I was like, he has to be into it, though, you said. Yeah, and he was. He's like so once halftime happened, which he was already in bed, and then we were done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that of all the things that I enjoyed of the show last night, uh, and I enjoyed a couple things about it, I like football enough, right? Uh, that halftime show was excellent. It was awesome. It was a really was good so halftime good. show. It was so good. Um, I, and you know what's funny? I was kind of expecting people to be, like, anti and hating it today, but mostly everything I read about it today, people liked it. I didn't see a ton of, like, terrible takes about the halftime show, which I'm pleasantly kind of surprised about. Mm. Mm-hmm. Kev, what about you? You sat through the game last night. What do you What do you come away with thinking about? Incidentally, we were at a thing. I didn't, like, watch the game. Mm. You're at a function and there's people. Like, the game was on in a room that I was in, but I didn't really, like, consume the game. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. So you took nothing away from the, the event last night? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was, it was a Super Bowl. It was just some game, and when you like, especially once you get to a thing where you're at a party and there's like 25, 30 people in there, mm-hmm. plus like kids running yeah. around, you're not like watching. There. I can buy into a football game if I sit down and watch a football game, but like that's mm-hmm. not what that was. Nobody was watching the game. Nobody that's cared. True. You know what I mean? Like I don't think there was a single real football fan there. I mean, I cared maybe for one, maybe two. I cared for the last. Couple minutes when Kansas City came back and it kind of turned maybe an actually sure, interesting so like football. Like a set game. of like six downs. <laughs> yeah, you know essentially I mean? six plays. You know, essentially the last ten minutes. Six plays. Uh, I mean, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, Took them fifty on. years to win a title. Good for you guys. Long time listener. Shout out. Boys. Long time listener. Shout out, lads. Uh, people seem to like commercials at these games. Although I watched as many commercials as I could stomach, mostly in the first half, uh, and none of them really. 
like jumped out at me as being like funny or creative. Outside of that one commercial that had Jason Momoa that was take, that was taking off all his that muscles. Was great. That was actually pretty clever. Uh, I noticed a lot though with a lot of these commercials now. I guess maybe it's just because Super Bowl commercials are so wildly expensive. Mm. You'll notice that like a lot of the commercial, like the brands themselves will cross over. Like it'll be a Tide commercial, but the guy from Old Spice will be in it. And then that stupid bear from the Charmin commercials. It's like they're just packing all their stuff into like multiple commercials, multiple brands. Maybe you got discounts. Maybe they're all like, well, it's because they're all one big brand now. Everything's all just one big giant corporate entity, it feels like. Um, I don't really have too much more from the Super Bowl. Uh, I saw President Trump tweeted about uh, congratulations to the state of Missouri, which is not where the Kansas City Chiefs play football. So he, state of Kansas. State of Kansas. State of Kansas. State of Kansas. Oh, yeah, he went back and yeah. I was like, wait, did I read that no, right? No, no, yeah. He said the state of Kansas. Uh, I saw a lot of good takes on that. People him getting the Sharpie out to fix it this morning. Um, and then the only other one that I, I, the only thing I actually really do enjoy about the Super Bowl is they have tons of movie trailers for all the movies that are coming out for 2020. Uh, so I found a list of them. I'm just going to run through the list and tell me if you guys are interested in this movie or no thanks. Okay? Uh, February, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is coming out. You guys? No. <laughs> Miss me. No. <laughs> no. Uh, February, also, The Invisible Man. I They're making that Elizabeth that. Moss uh, Invisible Man movie. But it's, no, it's, is it, is that more like a horror kind it of It is a horror movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Invisible Man is kind of yeah. horror. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested. I'm in, interested. I like her in most things. I sure, see that'll be fine. On Netflix. Uh, also coming out early this year, Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, I still I'm have to into see that. the first one. Yeah, you do. Did they film? Think, they, yeah. they filmed the second one around here as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a little pause. Yeah, same thing. Uh, Mulan, March twenty seventh. Interested? No. Yeah. That'd yeah. Be cool. Yeah. I think that's Mulan was one of the better of the Disney movies, and they're making it like serious and not trying to do like a shot for shot remake. So yeah. It'll probably be really cool. Well, we've talked. Trailer looked good. We've talked about this of. More than most of these Disney movies where there's, like, anthropomorphic animals or weird creatures and stuff in them, this seems like it makes more sense well, to plus, do. I mean, this has got anthropomorphic creature. I heard they're taking the dragon out. Well, yeah, they're making this, like, that's what I'm saying. They're not just yeah, yeah. shooting the original movie. Right. They're making it its own thing off the story, which I think is what you got to do yeah. for these for these live-action remakes, so to speak. Uh, new James Bond movie coming out, No Time oh, to Die. All the way at Bond Barrel. <laughs> really? And they're ruining James Bond, so they really, really sort of kicked whatever was left of James Bond to the ground with this, with Daniel Craig and trying to serialize hmm. it like everything else. Like, they've ruined what people enjoy about James Bond, and James Bond fans are now angry. And, like, that was your only demographic. You're yeah, chasing, so. like, Marvel money, and it's uh, it's terrible. Well, this feels like the last one for Craig. He seems like he wants no more. He didn't want to do this Which movie. makes it even worse. They shouldn't release yeah. it. Well, he said he didn't want to do the movie, and then they... They back the Brinks truck up, uh, truck up to his house, and they're like, "Here's, you know, here's a bunch of bags." And he's like, "All right, fine, you can get me to do one more." Remy Malik is in it. People seem excited about that. Mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick. I'm up for it. Yes. I'm like here for it. A thousand percent. Want to see it? A thousand. A like, thousand like, percent. I can't wait. Don't care even a little bit. I know oh, you don't. I can't wait to see. See, it. here's the thing about Top Gun Maverick. This movie doesn't even need to be good. I don't oh, need it I to be good seen. because I, I will argue that the first Top Gun is not a great movie no, either. It's not. It's just wildly why. entertaining. Yes. <laughs> I respect. Can't wait. This is sort of, and we'll get to Fast and the Furious. I get eventually, but same kind of thing. I'm not expecting this movie to win any Oscars. I'm just expecting Tom Cruise to fly some airplanes, and mm-hmm. I'm expecting some some naval drama between the young lads and and, and a, old and a, and a love. Don't forget love. Well, they didn't bring what's her name back. No, uh, she definitely didn't. Kelly McGillis, not back, <laughs> not back for this one. 
Uh, and that's all I really had here. I guess Fast and the Furious 9 was also on the list. It actually looked good. Yeah, I thought the previews looked list. awesome for that one. I did. <laughs> I don't really like Fast and Furious. I thought the previews looked good for that. Uh, I was excited to see my, my pal John Cena floating around in those movies. Good for him for getting over and making legitimate big-time movies now, uh, if that's what we're calling <laughs> um, Fast and the Furious 9. Uh, yeah, well, how, how could we not? <laughs> how could you not call that a legitimate and big-time movie? It made so much money. I was talking... One of the biggest movies released of the year. I think I was saying this to, to maybe you because Justin Parkinson. Uh, it's one of the few, like, film series that isn't based off of, like, some pre-existing IP or a mm. Disney product. And it's still wildly successful. So yeah. whatever you think of those movies, you know, on the whole or individually... They're sick. I don't understand. <laughs> Everybody's like couching like these the statements like they're not just oh, no, yeah, fun. I didn't see the last one, but I did not see the last. I five was the last one I really remember, and that's a while ago. That movie's amazing. Fast Five is a great movie. That's the first one with The Rock. Um, one of the things we missed uh, earlier talking about is you guys know it was Groundhog Day uh, yesterday as well as the Super Bowl. Punk's Tony Phil that commercial. Oh yeah, the, uh, the Bill Murray commercial Murray. was quite good. Um, so the Groundhog saw his no didn't see his shadow. Which means we're getting an early spring, if you guys believe in anything. Didn't we already start early spring? It hasn't been winter yet. I know. I was going to say, where did winter go? I just wasted a bunch of money this year. Well, we're supposed to get a bunch of snow this week. That's the rumor. So maybe that's... People say that all the time. People tell me... Imagine if we got snow. Oh, we're getting snow. We're getting snowed in. There's half an inch snow on the ground. Nothing's (laughs) happening. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping for it, because I could really use a snow day. (laughs) I would like just to ski. That would be kind of cool. You've really not gone skiing at all this year. Not really, because there's not enough snow in the woods. <laughs> yeah, you can't go skiing if there's no snow. Yeah, only you can go to like regular trails. I like to ski in the woods. I haven't been able to do it. But, so mad. Um, I was just trying to explain this to somebody. I went, um, I, guess I might have been, I don't remember who it was. I went cross-country skiing mm-hmm. last year for the first time. And I assumed that, you know, in your 30s, you're a little more prone to, like, following instructions and, and you know, listening to what the people say mm-hmm. when they tell you to do it. And I was like, I think I'll pick this up pretty quickly. Mm-mm. It was shockingly hard. Yeah, I didn't it is. expect... It is. It's really The hard. skis are heavier than I give it credit mm-hmm. for. The way you have to position your body and move. Yeah. And like, like your arms. It's a classic sure everything... irrational confidence <laughs> move. Like, yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah I'll probably yeah, get up there. Good. I've seen no, folks ski I think, before. I think it's hard. I do if you don't have it. Is, have you snowboarded as well? You no. You... I'm going to try next year, though. If we have snow. Have you done any snowboarding in your life? Uh, I did it one time. I was abandoned by uh, our friend and left on the mountain. Oh, It's oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. as I told this story to somebody that I had a really hard time with the skiing. It's true. Don't look at me. It's true. Oh, is that? It's... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's not very nice. Um, I've been told from people that uh, snowboarding is easier to get on board with than skiing. It's wow. a little bit easier. I don't know, like, I can't imagine that it is. I feel like... Yeah, it's got to be way easier. Because you're on one thing. You're on one thing instead of two things. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's what, that's you what have they to worry told. about keeping your legs together. Both your legs are hooked in. Yeah, it's got to be way easier. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's probably cooler looking. Is snowboarder cooler looking than skiing? I think it's cooler looking. <laughs> it's cooler looking, right? Yeah. Uh, I can't skateboard either, so it's not like having one thing as opposed to two. Like, I can't rollerblade or skateboard, so it's not like having one or two. Anybody can rollerblade. I, no. You can no, probably rollerblade. No, I, I can't rollerblade. Sure they can. No. I, I can't ice skate. I can't cross my legs over. Like, you know when you like, cross over when you're... Oh, like when you're, I know what you're talking about. Like you're supposed, like you're speed skating. Yeah, like yeah I'm not talking, I mean, I'm not talking do about that. doing fancy stuff, but like if I put I you in a parking lot, you can rollerblade around. List of things I can't do. Rollerblade, roller skate, skateboard, ice roller skate. Roller skate seems hard. Roller skating is tough. 
Ice skating, I could, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't, I could never figure it out. We used to go when we were kids. That was All like, the time, yeah, like every Friday night. And I'm stuck, like, on the side on the holding wall. the rail. I'm on the wall. On the wall. <laughs> People are laughing at me. Still laughing. <laughs> I mean, you guys laughing at me now. I appreciate it. Um, and then I guess we have two more things to get into. Well, one of the things I didn't realize till today when I wrote my rent check. Apparently, it's been going around and I never thought of this. You're not supposed to abbreviate 2020 as just 2 yeah, 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 well, because they can put the numbers on the end. Yeah, I never really thought about that until <laughs> until afterwards. That's how, it's they like, that's how they get you. People always coming up with new scams. Maybe that's just my brain doesn't that's work. That's how scammers work. you got to be I coming up with new I wish I had the... I mean, I don't wish I had it, but I wish I had that part of my brain that understood where you could find a scam. Like, I, don't, I couldn't even think about that until someone told me. You're trying me. to perpetrate more scams. <laughs> I'm see. trying to perpetrate uh, slightly more... Instead of being the plaintiff, you're trying to be the perpetrator. I understand. <laughs> um, so, uh, our guest this week was Derek Vincent Crossman, and we did the interview on Saturday. Uh, and because we did the interview on Saturday, we made predictions about a Super Bowl game that we we already know the results to by the time people heard this interview. So I'll ask you the same question about something that's going on tonight. Tonight is the Iowa caucuses, the first yeah. step of voting, uh, for, or the first voting stop, real merit, uh, for the Democratic National Convention. And people seem to be convinced of one of two results, that Joe Biden is going to win or that Bernie Sanders is going to win. Um... So my first question is, and Kev, I'll start with you on this one. How much stock should we take in what happens in the Iowa caucuses? I mean, plenty. They count. Mm -hmm. It counts. It's real numbers. The first time it's not just polls. Right. Uh, But is Iowa really a good, like, uh, barometer for how the rest of the United States votes anymore? It doesn't matter how the whole country votes. It matters. There's like 11 states where it matters how they vote. And Iowa's a pretty good representative of those 11 states. I mean, it's a Midwestern state. Mm -hmm. It's out near the Ohio's, the Pennsylvania's, some of these others of the world. And, you know, since we live in a system where only 11 states voting really counts when it comes to an election like this, it's as close a barometer as we have otherwise. You know what I mean? I don't, like, it's not like, oh, you automatically win if you win that one, but Mm -hmm. it's certainly a better barometer than whatever poll is put out. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, every winner of a competitive major political, uh, major presidential nomination since 1980 started off by winning the Iowa caucus ex- uh, and the New York, uh, yeah, the New Hampshire primary, or both. The sole exception was Bill Clinton in 1992. So there you go. Uh, and two of the three most recent presidents, Barack Obama and George W. Bush, kicked off their primary season by winning Iowa. Uh, Trump did the reverse. He lost Iowa, but then won New Hampshire and then the nomination. Uh-huh. Um, so let me ask you this question. What happens if? What do you think happens if Joe Biden wins tonight? What does that mean going forward? Should we just commit ourselves to Joe Biden being the nominee if no. he wins? No, no, I hope not. No, hope not. All right. What about Bernie Sanders? Yes. So you think if Bernie Sanders wins, that it guarantees he'll no. get? No, no, I do not. That's not. That's a different question. Okay. That's an entirely different thing. No. I think he'd have to win a bunch of th- bunch of things in a row. Yeah, and even then, mm-hmm. they're gonna be they're gonna be. Even if even if he were to win the nomination, they're going to be cranky and sourpuss it the whole way. Yeah, the whole way. That's and they'll true. leave spoilers in, they'll leave people in, all that different stuff. Um, I've also read an article basically saying that at this point in time, if you come out of this Iowa caucus with like a single digit polling number, you might as well just start like calling yeah. it out, right? Like yeah, at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, there should really probably only be three people left in the race, maybe four. Yeah, that's you fair. Know what I mean? Maybe four. Maybe. Then um, that really depends on how vile, how much you've bought into the Mayor Pete thing. 
Um, but three or four should be the most at this point. Three or four. That makes yeah. sense. Bloomberg is a waste and a disgrace. Um, That's the weirdest. Quicker. Yeah, it's so weird that he's going to come out tomorrow. I was like, well, it's not weird. He paid all this money to the DNC. And so they broke the rules for him because he's a billionaire. That's not weird. That's America, baby. <laughs> That's America, yeah. It's tough. Yeah, um, it is tough. So maybe we'll we'll talk a bit more about this next week when we know After, the results. Yeah. Do you want to make a prediction on what you think is going to happen so we can see how wrong we are next week? No. I think Bernie's actually going to win. I think... That's what everybody's so. saying. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. That's what all the articles for the last two or three days are saying and predicting, but... It would, it would drive me a little nuts if Biden got the nomination essentially not really doing much. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he hasn't... Said, he said he was going to die in office. He's <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't want to hear that. That's the other thing, too. Bernie's older than Biden, though, is he not? Yep. I mean, if the age thing is a concern, I wonder if that scares away people, too, in any particular way. I mean, one of them sounds coherent when they speak. The other one sounds like your grandfather who's getting his keys taken yeah. away soon. That's yeah. true. I don't want you another know. one of those in charge of the country. Yeah. 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 Plus, your, your racist grandfather who had his keys taken away <laughs> ten years ago. Yeah, he's still driving out there. Who has frontal temporal dementia is getting worse every day. <laughs> and will not debate. I'll take that bet right now. You won't see him oh, debate yeah. no matter what happens. No chance. I don't think you'll ever see a Bernie Sanders-Donald Trump debate. Uh, although I've been... Be, Trump won't debate anybody. No, he, you don't think he'd want to debate Biden? No, he won't. After all his big best I don't think he can. I don't think his people will let him. I do not think he will. Mm. He doesn't do interviews anymore. There hasn't been a press briefing in over 365 calendar days. Right. He either yells outside the helicopter or goes on with That's Sean Hannity and does word association exercises. Yeah. And he still sounds like his brain's not working. State of the Union is Tuesday as well, I believe. It's coming up this week. Yeah. I wonder how much of it will be him bragging about the impeachment thing or if he'll play it low-key unsure uh what to expect although i didn't watch yeah maybe maybe, key, like maybe donald trump will play it low-key <laughs> maybe he'll play it. maybe that's what's gonna happen maybe not want to tempt fate out here <laughs> yeah, brother oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah maybe that's it maybe he'll show some reservation and good judgment <laughs> yeah maybe we'll see uh stranger things i guess is a show happened? that's on tv is a show that's it's on a demogorgon <laughs> and i still would be more likely to see the demogorgon Walked oh, on man. with the mace of the the mace of the Congress or whatever that thing is. Yeah, do we want to talk at all about impeachment or do no. we? No. no. Okay, no. Right, we'll we'll move right on. No, not here on this show. About. I'll talk to you about it any time, but not here and not on the show. That's fair. Uh, and I guess we haven't really talked about the coronavirus at all. Earlier this week, no. uh, World Health Organization declared the coronavirus an outbreak, a global health emergency. Although that's not quite as dire as it sounds. And when we say yeah. it, it doesn't. Doesn't mean we're going to have a pandemic or anything. Um, well, the, even if we have a pandemic, pandemic is not as dire as it sounds either. That is correct. Pandemic makes you think of like the movie Contagion. Yeah. That's yeah. not what that means. Or the worst outbreak. movie, Outbreak. I was going to say. That's yeah, like what I instantly think <laughs> of. Did you ever see today. Contagion? Nope. Contagion is five billion times scarier than Outbreak. Oh, Jesus. Because it's so real and outbreak. it's so modern. Great. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's not like, hey, wild monkey Ebola disease. It's like, yeah, you know, just this mutated strain of the flu and airplanes. Uh, the scary, it's horrifying. The scary thing it's I have awesome. read about the <laughs> about the contravirus or uh, coronavirus uh, is that it's one of those things that you can have and pass without knowing you've had it. Yeah. It takes like yeah, two yeah. weeks or so. There are eleven people in the U.S. Uh, supposedly right now who have it. Although you're talking about seventeen thousand in China. Uh, should we? How seriously should we take this? I guess is really the question. You should always take any kind. When of When you like say we, serious. who's we? Just the us like in America. Us in the yeah. room. Us or? in the room. 
us in the room. I don't think right, we have anything to worry about right now. Right now, yeah, nothing. Like I don't even feel nervous when Zach flew to Chicago. No, and, and, back. and I just you should. It would be, like, be overkill to feel nervous so. about it. And yeah. normally, I'm nervous about like everything. No, they're and, trying like hell to make you nervous about it. Yeah, but you just, keep getting the small facts keep rolling in. Well, because so, they're yeah. trying because they're trying to poke the poke the nest of people who are like only moderately informed on stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So they use inflammatory language and scary things. Yep. I think it's all panicked, but like, yeah, realistically, we have no worry about this right now. Yeah, no, and plus, so. I mean, with the with the drug that they just came up with in Thailand, those Thai boys, I think it took them like maybe forty eight hours, and they fused together um, something they do for like kind of like one of the the flu shot things. Yeah, like a... fused it together with an antiretroviral that they use on HIV, and it worked, on something and like it worked really well. Yeah. So they might have already so found they found fine. something really promising, something that might knock it right out. Um, it was really I read something really interesting about it but it was in like a scholarly, scholarly journal so I only understood like 65-70% of what I was reading yeah. a lot of it was like <laughs> they're just going over my head I'm like yeah I don't know nothing about this that's but. interesting um, so yeah I've also seen a lot of memes uh, my favorite thing I've seen on here is the cure is just to put a lime in it um, I don't know I, I thought no that's, no that's pretty good no that's alright alright uh, yeah coronavirus so we shouldn't be too worried I actually read we should be still more worried about just the flu in general yeah, like our sure. actual flu yeah. around here yeah, yeah. the flu kills tens of thousands of people the flu killed like 80,000 people in America last year <clears throat> just last year folks yeah, a lot of folks but that's also I mean you're talking about the elderly the already sick or like infants and stuff you know right. what I mean nah that makes a lot of sense uh, alright so you don't, I mean, you don't count as elderly you don't get it. You're just shaking your head over there. there. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's go to this week's interview. And before we do, I should remind you, folks, for folks listening, uh, the event we're talking about, the uh, public open house for the Utica DRI event, is this Thursday, uh, February 6th, from 4:37 at the Thank You Bater. I'll mention that a couple times during the interview. But in case you guys want to go, you don't need an RSVP. You don't need to tell them you're going. You can just show up. Uh, and this is going to be a really cool one from what they mentioned. People can vote uh, looking around at the different projects that they have available so they can get an idea of what the public is most interested in. So uh, this is Derek's second time on the show, although it was like a two-year span between he was on. So we had a nice conversation. Uh, we talked a little bit. Um, of course, we talked about DRI. We talked a little bit about the Super Bowl. You can see how bad our predictions were. Uh, lots of other stuff. So let's get into it. Our interview uh, with Derek Vincent Crossman. Just got our. Um, it took us three days to realize our heater was broken because we turned right. we would turn the heat up to like 60, 70 because uh-huh. it was like really cold in here. Uh-huh. And uh, for like two days, we're like, it still says fifty. Something <laughs> something's wrong. Uh, so hopefully you guys can't hear the fans in the background. But here's someone I'm a fan of, and that is Derek Vincent Crossman, who's joining us here today to talk about Utica DRI. It's a pleasure to have you back, sir. Well, thank you. Uh, do you remember last time you were on the show? I don't remember the date. It's been it's been like. A- a year or two? It I has think. been 97 weeks. So uh, last time you were on, that was episode 143. This is episode 241. So okay. almost two full years. Yeah. Uh, it's right. been a long time. Uh, so I must ask, you know, mm-hmm. how's your life been in the last two years? What have we missed? How's things changed? How's things going? 
Um, I am back with the city. I don't know if I was with the city when I no, when talked you, to you. I think I was with Rusty Green. You were with Rusty Green. That was my next question. You went yeah. back to working with the city. I went back to working with the city. I'm uh-huh. back in urban economic development. Mm-hmm. I am uh, a community development specialist there, yeah. which is kind of a title I got to create for myself. I was going to ask you about that, is, yeah. Which is nice. They had it on, you know, you could pick from a list of civil service positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, you know, go under economic development in some way, but community development specialist kind of seemed like what it... Kind of seemed like where I wanted to go. Sure. In my career, it was actually technician. It was community development technician, which I don't know why. Yeah. What that what that would mean. Uh, was it nice being back in City Hall after such a long time? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, it's just it's it. I liked the people I worked with. I love the coworkers there. Um, mm. And I and I'm still working on the same projects that I, I was for Rusty Green because sure. Rust, Rusty Green effectively operated as a consultant for the city. Right. I was going to say, even back then, like two years ago, we were talking about zombie properties and lo and behold, we'll still probably talk yeah, about, again today. about zombie properties. Yeah. Um, uh, I am going to school now. So oh, where are you going? I'm getting my master's at UAlbany. Nice. In planning. Oh, wow. So what, are you going, what are you going for your master's for? In planning. Oh, planning. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. So, oh, yeah. See, actually, I have, jeez, um, another... What is this? February, March, April, May. I got another three months, and then I'm done with my master's. Oh, over yeah. I got congratulations! You. you see the finish line. I'm, dude. I'm. <laughs> it's stressful. Well, I'm doing student teaching now, so oh, okay. I'm, as opposed to doing like you know, I was working for the Young Scholars for so many years, mm-hmm. and I love that job, but it's different than just being in student teaching and like planning lessons. And let me tell you. Uh, I used to think I was cool. Like, back in the day, these kids do not think I'm cool. They do not like my whole shtick. They are not into me. Uh, so I have a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about before we get, uh, well, with about DRI stuff and the public house. It's going to be uh, Thursday, February 6th from yep. 437 yep. Uh, down at the Thinkubator, and I want to talk about that. But a few things I need to get out of the way first. This happens a couple times a year. Uh, it is Super Bowl Sunday tomorrow, yeah. but by the time people hear this interview, it will be Monday, so the game will have already ended. Yeah. So let's make some predictions that will almost inevitably be wrong. So that on Monday, <laughs> What do you think Perfect. is going to happen in the Super Bowl? <laughs> um, I think Kansas City is going to win. Yeah, uh, I just feel like they're too fast. You know, Not like San Francisco is a bad team. They're not. They're probably pretty well-rounded. They run the ball well. They have a good defense. But Richard Sherman, I'm thinking like I'm thinking matchups. Yeah, yeah. Richard Sherman against Tyreek Hill or any of the players they have on uh, on the receiving core, he's just too slow. I mean, you can't. Yeah. The speed you can throw over the top, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm kind of with you. I have this feeling that even though, like, in my head, years of, like, growing up watching football with my dad and my stepdad just being, like, defense and running, defense and running, right? Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, San Francisco is definitely going to win. But in my head, I'm like, no, I feel like Kansas City's going to put up, like, 50 points on them. I, I don't know why. Uh, so I'm predicting a Kansas City win. Yeah. Uh, so presumably when you guys see this on Monday and San Francisco has destroyed them, I'll look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I also have to bring up the fact that you have your entire Syracuse Orangeman uh, gear on yeah. right now. This That's is so. your Syracuse-Duke is your big game, yes? It is. It's the Super Bowl for Syracuse. I mean, this is really the biggest game of the week. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, literally, literally I have no dog in the, in the Super Bowl. So. Uh, so I was just talking about this with Justin actually last night because we were we were watching like I don't know Friday Night SmackDown or whatever. But uh-huh. Syracuse has won like a ton of games all of a sudden. They did. They won five in a row. Then they just lost uh, a bad game to Clemson. I think it was mm. a trap game. They went down to Clemson. They it was close, but they lost. Uh, I think they're they're back home. They kind of need to win this game against Duke if they want to get yeah. into any sort of tournament. They want if I they want to yeah if they want to be in the. Race. It's the one thing I don't watch as much college basketball as I used to, probably because I, I'm you know the student teaching thing is taking up so much time. But 
I always want Syracuse to make it for two reasons. One, because when they make it and people don't think they're supposed to, people get really salty on the internet, and I get a good laugh about that. Uh, And number two, I just like the idea in the tournament that anything sort of can happen. It doesn't matter if you had a good, you know, first 20 games or 30 games or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can just get on a heater and run through it. Um, So what's your prediction for Syracuse Duke tonight? Um, Syracuse at home. There's a chance Duke doesn't. Duke, Duke isn't the team they used to be. They haven't been able to replace Zion Williamson. So I don't. It, I think it could be close. Mm. Uh, if we can stay out of foul trouble, I think Syracuse could win. I I, I just can't. They're, they're cardiac cues. They've always been. They always will be. And it's so hard. It's, it's hard to confidently come up here like Syracuse is going to win this game. No, they tend to like, play up and down to yeah, their competition, it, no right. matter who they're playing. They match their competition. Exactly. Um, is Buddy Beheim your favorite player or your least favorite player? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. You know, I like uh, Dolajai is probably my favorite player. Dolajai. I just like saying his name. Yeah. <laughs> Dolajai is great because he, you know, he's got the constant. He needs to comb. Constantly yeah. needs to comb his hair. He's constantly getting bullied out there. Uh, just taking a bunch of physical physical heat. It's, it's great. He's a great, great player. We're both going to sound very depressed on Monday when the, all these results go <laughs> a different way than we wanted to. Uh, let's get into what I actually brought you in to talk about. All right. And for folks who um, for folks who want to know more information about uh, Utica DRI, UticaDRI.com. That's where I went on the internet to go check out some information here. Yep. yep. Uh, specifically, this Thursday, uh, February 6th, from 4.30 to 7 p.m., uh, at the Thank You Bader, you guys are having your DRI second public open house for people? Yeah, it's the second public open house. Very nice. And uh, I know that the website, I've gone to the website and the event, but I know it's free, but would you prefer people like RSVP if they're coming or people just show, or show up? No, people can just show up. There's no need to RSVP or let us know. Mm-hmm. And the idea for the open house is to learn about Utica's downtown revitalization initiative and provide feedback on initial projects and proposals and provide new ideas. Yeah. Um, you had one already. How has sort of the community interaction been leaning so far? Are people mostly positive? Are people skeptical? Are people willing to voice their opinions? How has it felt so far dealing with the public in this aspect? It's definitely a mix like all those things. But I sure. think people are positive. I think people are excited that, you know, we were given this award. or kind of like recognized, right? Mm-hmm. The state's now validated us and what we're doing. And they're like, Here, here's $10 million. What can you do with it? And yeah. downtown. And I think people are excited. But they're also weary. They're like, okay, we can't mess this up. This is this is a pretty big deal. Although ten million doesn't go very far, it's still you know this could be. It's a very Utica feeling because over it, it's that sort of you, you know fool me once, shame on me; fool mm-hmm. me twice, shame on us kind of thing. I think Utica has this sort of sometimes we get sort of down on like uh, we don't know if this is really going to happen because we've yeah. been burned in the past. I think we have a really unique yes. community yeah, in that yeah, way. Yeah. We're we're wary to open ourselves up and be vulnerable oh, yeah. again. You know yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I know how that goes. Um, so real quick. Uh, just explain it to me like I'm five. I'm going to steal some internet terminology. So DRI is a state program uh, that fosters transformation of like urban communities, right? Yeah. And these are communities that have already shown signs of potential for investment. Yes? Yeah. Uh, so people are just coming in, and this is like business owners, nonprofits, individuals. Like who's really reaching out mostly to you guys, it seems like? Uh, to apply for the funding? Yeah. Um, yeah, all the above. You have property owners, you have nonprofits, um, you have... Business owners, and and then there's also the public projects which mm. the city is putting up, um, mm. looking for funding. So all of the above. It's got to be really tough. Like how many? It's like fifty-one different proposals. I'm, I think I had yeah, the number it's, wrong. It's about fifty pro, uh, yeah. proposals that we got. And we really only we're only going with one, obviously. Uh, we're going with 
we're going with a you know a handful. It comes down to it's not so much the amount of proposals, it's the amount of money. Right. So, so however many meet. you can get in that ten yeah. million. So when we put in the application, we did the application for the month of May, and it was really fast. You know, the the application kind of guidelines came out at the beginning of May. It would the application was due at the end of May, uh, mm. and we put into the application about twenty million dollars worth of projects to begin with. Mm-hmm. Still understanding, you're only going to get ten. Right. Of course. Uh, then when we opened it back up after we were awarded the the, the DRI officially. We opened it for that month, December through January, so from December 13th to January 13th, and we received another, you know, 30 proposals, Mm -hmm. uh, totaling about $28 million worth of asks at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, so we have to whittle that down. And uh, I did go and do a little bit of research before you came in, because I wanted to try and understand a little bit better before you got here, so I didn't sound like a schmuck. And I watched your interview on on KTV, which is very, very good. You did a nice Mm -hmm. job there. Thank you. one of the things you turn, one of the terms you use was sort of like trans, uh, transformative uh, projects for public spaces. And as somebody who's had a vested interest in transforming, you know, transforming yeah. public spaces with all the handshake city stuff, yeah, I love that idea. Do you, have you seen a lot of? Has there been like creative ideas that have sort of like snuck in there? These art style ideas, this creative aspect, have you seen as well? Besides just like business opportunities, yeah, um, you know, you can look at. For instance, Munson Williams Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really want to do something with their campus, and they have a huge they have a huge green real estate in the they front really of their do. museum, mm-hmm. and they want to activate that uh, into a public uh, art park. Um, and I think that that would really change the complexion of Oneida Square and also the gateway in, down, into mm-hmm. downtown. And that's kind of uh, definitely one of the creative projects we've received. And that's something I think about all the time too, especially with Munson Williams. You know, I've I've been lucky enough over the last few years to, you know, work in education and we've had nice relationships in Munson Williams and I went to the museum actually not too long ago, just the actual art museum portion with some kids and I was like, I forget sometimes that this exists here and it's yeah. really cool and it's something I've talked about with Maiden Utica stuff, I've talked about it with podcasting stuff, I've talked about all sorts of city stuff. There's There must be a better way to showcase all the stuff that we overlook in the city and all the cool stuff that happens. And I think we think about all this revitalization stuff and mm-hmm. it's, again, we want to get that positive momentum and we're just so gun-shy to open ourselves up. I think it's a good point. And that's probably the point of having these sort of public open houses for people to sort of get excited as well. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And you guys are down at Thank You Bader. Uh, that, space, that space has been pretty nice for you guys so far. Yeah, it's, a, it's an awesome space. It's really flexible. It has all the tech you'd need. and hmm. Yeah. Now, I think I read this uh, in the article, or maybe when you were doing the interview um, with Gary. Um, Rome and Oneana have done this before in the last few years. Yeah, I think they're both they've both been awarded. Mm-hmm. Rome is still in the process. I think they're you're starting to see Rome's projects come to fruition now. Sure. They're, so they're ahead of us, obviously. But. Well, that's kind of the question I was going to ask. Like, can you look? Is there like a track record of things you can look back on, like success stories from previous DRI things across the the state or outside of the state as well? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we do that frequently as the, as the city, the consultant team that the state provided us, and the state agencies that just work with us throughout this mm-hmm. whole process. We often look to the other uh, communities that are either been awarded this year or in past years uh, to see how they're doing certain things. You know, we, we talk about the public open house. Uh, uh, this next one coming up, we have an idea that's been utilized in other areas where people are going to basically vote with dollars. We're going to give them money. Yeah, yeah. We're going to vote in jars. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's been done in other communities. So we, yeah. we look for best practices and things that have gone right and wrong, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we go forward. 
You know, it's funny. I we, we you know from the maiden duty aspect when we do events, it's always like we want people to come down. We want to get as many people as possible, and yeah. you never know what you're competing against. You never know what's out there. Do you feel like you guys get as much of a public response to these open houses as you'd like, or would you like to see a larger turnout? I think we'd like to see as much um, as much public in, like engagement as possible. It's hard, uh, no matter where when you schedule something, you're not going to get everybody. You can. Mm-hmm. It's hard enough to schedule like a group of friends to meat yeah. on one day, as like <laughs> yeah. trying to get the entire general public of mm-hmm. the city of Utica uh, to one location. You know, that's why the website's a great tool. Yep. You can always comment on the website. Um, you can see, you know, past presentations. You can see where we are. Uh, the projects will be up there, and people will be able to give feedback at any time. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good for those who can't make it. Uh, you know, if there's any way in which we can uh, raise the engagement level, that'd be great. Because the more feedback mm-hmm. we have, the more uh, there's momentum for a certain project or, yeah. or you know a certain idea. I think the further that goes in the process, and it might end up being awarded by the state at the end of the day. So. Right. See, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw this on your Twitter feed. Uh, did you guys have some a DRI community event at the Refugee Center a few weeks ago? With this, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Well, though I was saying because that's why we talk about like communicating and getting the word out into the community. That seems like a really smart way to get the word out into parts of the community that might not have been aware this was even going on in the first place. Yeah, uh, we got a lot of help from Shelly. We sat down. She's a part of our, our local planning committee, mm-hmm. uh, but we reached out to her at the beginning of this and said, "How how can we uh, engage with the refugee immigrant community uh, that's you know it still utilizes the services here." at the center um, and she offered us there's they have community educations every month uh, they also have uh, an office for new Americans uh, yep. program so it's a really great program down there both are really cool because I mean it's, it's, it's like a it's the it's the UN before they had those fancy <laughs> microphones and, yeah. and earpieces like you, you it's a you say something it's translated into the languages mm-hmm. there and then it's kind of a back and forth it's it's really it was neat and I never had seen it before you know uh, so I, I just gotta ask yet another sort of dumb question yeah when people say downtown uh downtown revitalization initiative how many people initially bring this conversation back to like the downtown hospital discussion is that something that bring it's brought up at all ever when you're down there or is that actually not many i was curious because i wonder because i think that you know as uticans sometimes we get so caught up in this idea of the hospital in the downtown area yeah that we connect anything that talks about downtown revitalization to this this hospital and that's not really the case of what's going on here at all no, I really haven't had a lot of conversations in which it was brought up. Yeah. Unless, you know, it's like, does this connect to it at all? Mm-hmm. But no, not really. Well, it's funny, too, because I, I have noticed, you know, even before anything happens with, like, downtown revitalization or any hospital stuff, it does feel like even more stuff is starting to build up downtown now. I'm seeing more places mm-hmm. open up. I'm seeing a lot more, like, people walking down there. Not this particular time of year because it's, yeah. like, three degrees <laughs> But it's – and it does make me wonder, like, that's the hope I have for the future of Utica is I want to see this downtown revitalization process become a big success. And then I want to see that idea transform out through other areas of the city that probably need it as well. Right. Yeah. That's a big part of this. I mean, when you look at the criteria um, that the state provided or the goals we're trying to meet as as a city, uh, it's those transformational projects. And that kind of means like, you know, does it, catalyze other things to happen mm-hmm. uh does it change the complexion of downtown do you, is, it, is it very like almost physically noticeable visibly noticeable yeah uh, when you go down there this is this is different this is not like it was last time i visited Utica. Yeah, yeah. you know uh and it's, it's, that's good though like to a certain extent like we've been we utica's felt very much the same for a long time i think yeah. it needs to have not like some sort of you know maybe not you know 
change the whole thing from the beginning, but just something, I always think about even just like the Bank of Utica putting up the tower, like just changing yeah. the skyline a little bit, changing the perception of what the skyline looks like when you're driving down Genesee Street, changing the perception of how we feel about what it looks like when we're down there. And I guess that's my other question. Like when you guys say downtown, what actually is considered downtown for you guys when you talk about these projects? Is it more broad than just like the bottom of Genesee Street going into North Utica? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for the sake of this, uh, there's a map out there uh, mm -hmm. that you can see on the website. And yes. It, it was, you know, when we made the application, the state really told us it has to be a confined space. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, for reference, it's really Oneida Square to Franklin Square, mm -hmm. uh, although it does stretch out a little bit onto Broad Street. Uh, so it's a funky shape. It kind of looks like a. It kind of looks like a bottle opener. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 fairly it, it's the core is Genesee Street because that's our downtown. So it's yeah. uh, Genesee from Oneida Square to Franklin Square is really the the main mm -hmm. area. Now, if people want to go to the public or sorry, the local planning committee meeting, that's before. Uh, the public house meeting that's 2.30 on the same day? Uh, 2 to 4. 2 to 4. Yeah. But that's less of like an open forum necessarily, right? That's just to, to watch the process necessarily? Yeah, it's basically it's exactly right. It's to watch the process, watch uh, the LPC members uh, work through the projects um, and get to that final strategic investment plan. Hmm. Uh, yeah, there's not really public comment there, but uh, yeah. you can obviously observe. Uh, as a guy who works in education and has gone to a few school board meetings in my time, Public is not shy about sharing their opinions no, in general. Never. But that's probably, I mean, that's what you want, though. You, even for good or for bad, you want to get that direct sort of communication with people and that that direct flow of ideas, I think. That's where yeah. we've sort of headed in this new world we live in now. Do you get a lot of, like, feed, do you get a lot of, like, response to, like, the Facebook stuff and the Internet stuff as well? Do people respond on there as well with you guys? Yeah. I mean, Facebook, you know, social media in general... Uh, it's, yeah. it's really not like you're not getting this wealth of uh, really critical or, or even uh, kind of thoughtful responses. Yes. It's more like, what the heck? why are they using this $10 million? You know, they just use, you know, pave the roads or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things that aren't really helpful to what we're trying to accomplish. But they're... Well, that's the, you know, that's the curse of social media. Though. Yeah. There's no, there's no space for nuance in the act of like firing off 140 characters or whatever no. the number is now, right? No, but it's still it's still the best tool to actually spread the message out. So when we put a yeah. flyer out there saying here's the next public meeting or here's you know a project that's, that's out there, hmm. it, it gets spread fast and you know a lot of people see it. I think I mean it's hard, especially in this day and age, you're inundated constantly with different communications for everything, hmm. uh, and it's like how do you how does the city cut through all that stuff yeah. to get to its residents so that they know hmm. what's going on? So you've been making the rounds, I see, all doing this. Have you gotten? Uh, have you been burned out repeating the same things over and over again every place you go? <laughs> not, not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. It's, it's always, I always feel bad because, like, when people, I generally when I have people on who've been doing this kind of stuff and been going around, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of folks come on, you know, I watch their videos are five minutes, seven minutes, and then I'm always asking for way more time. These people are like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> uh, so I was just going to ask you because I'm curious about it. Uh, you're still doing the zombie properties thing now? Still doing zombie properties. Uh, and for folks who haven't listened to the show in two years, can you give yeah. a quick one-line about what that means for people when you're doing zombie properties? It's really tough to do a one-liner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, These are mortgage for mortgage encumbered uh, foreclosed properties the, that the property owners just left. You know, How? Sam, you own a house. You, the bank's foreclosing on you. You say, well, okay, I'm underwater. I, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, I'm going to abandon the yeah. thing. And then who takes care of it at the end of the day? How how prevalent of a of an issue is this? I never really thought about like a scale wise. How many is this happen relatively commonly? Yeah, it's pretty. It, it's it's very common. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's common throughout the city. Uh, it really doesn't matter where you live. It's mm. in Corn Hill. It's in North Utica or South Utica. Huh. Um, 
you know, I think Utica is doing all right because the housing market is really hot for us. Yeah, I've noticed that. Um, but there's still there's still forty or so zombie properties that self registered zombie properties out there that the banks have said, yeah, we own this one and we're gonna hold on to it until you know we decide what to do with it. Well, I was gonna say, is that sort of the process? Like once it's abandoned and then it just then we have to figure out what happens to these kind of things. Like, what's the best usage of this? Do we put it back in the resale? Like, what? Yeah, the banks. I think the banks look at it finance from a financial perspective. Sure. Uh, they maintain it up to the code that the state requires, yeah. uh, which isn't pretty. People are going to live next to boarded homes because that's you know that's yeah. just the reality of it. And there's nothing much. There's not much we can do uh, above and beyond that unless they are not meeting those obligations. If it's you know open to entry and there's grass is growing or something. You a homeowner these days? I'm not yet. I'm not looking. Yet. I'm looking, but it's it's too hot. The market's too hot. Things are it's things true. are getting snapped up within 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, it's and true. I am not really a handy person myself, so like getting a, a, a 1920s home would probably be pretty bad for me. <laughs> uh, I I don't want to put him over too much. I would direct you to my guest from two weeks ago, Andrew Dominio, who spent a long time talking about this to me. It's my guy. Um, so just again, before we move on to any other stuff, I just want to remind people, so it's Thursday, February 6th from 4.30 to 7 o'clock, and this is at the Thinkubator, and again, they can just show up, they don't have to sign up for anything, no RSVPs, no invitations or anything, just pop in. That's right. I think there'd be a lot of cool stuff to see, uh, especially this one, because we've just collected all those projects, mm-hmm. uh, and we're, we're going to put them out there for people to, to again, vote, vote on or you know vote with their dollars. Uh, and and just see what's out there. I'm I'm really curious to see what the kind of the public gets behind, what they're excited about. Right. Um, it's definitely going to influence you know how the LPC looks at these projects too. They mm-hmm. see overwhelming public support for one or the other. Uh, it, it will most likely end up in their strategic investment plan. And you guys can go to UticaDRI.com. I also see you guys are pretty active on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, or if you just want to follow Derek for all his takes on Syracuse, he's at Derek underscore Crossman on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so let me ask you a couple quick things before we head out here. I do have some lightning round questions, but I, I only have a few more weeks to ask this before it's over. Uh, Oscar movies, uh, Oscars coming up relatively soon. Have you watched any of the Oscar movies yet this year? I've watched several of them with my girlfriend. Uh, we have yet to see um, Parasite. Oh, I uh, see it so bad. Me too. I actually do- I downloaded it legally. Oh, of course, of course. absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm from a but, certain age. I know what that means. <laughs> but uh, there's no subtitles, so that that didn't work out. Um, <laughs> can I I'll give you a good story? I just talked yeah. about this last week. Uh, did you ever watch any of the Planet of the Apes movies? Yeah, the new ones they made. Yeah, Kevin and I really liked those movies for whatever reason. We watched the first one. I was like, These movies are good. So somewhere along the way, I found it on the internet. Uh, the third Planet of the Apes movie, uh-huh. and the third Planet of the Apes movie starts with a, an extended like twenty minute scene where it's just like the apes hunting in this old city. And I'm watching the movie, and we're watching it, and we're watching it, and we get about 10 minutes in, and Kevin just looks at me, and he goes, I think this is supposed to have subtitles. And I was like, do you think? Because <laughs> it's just monkeys. And I was just like, I was like, wait a second. And I'm sitting here, because I'm, I'm, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, wow, what a bold decision to have just no dialogue at all and no conversation. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, wait, I just downloaded a crappy version of this movie. That's um, funny. You see, nineteen seventeen. That's the one I, I saw. Nineteen seventeen. We went to the theater to see that one. That was good. I, you know, I I liked it. I liked the kind of one shot thing, whether it's real one yeah. shot or not. Um, yeah, it's all. <laughs> it was it was good. It was a good movie. I I've heard it's super intense. I really want to see it as a history major. It feels like it's right in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I feel bad that the only two I saw this year were like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just yeah. because I feel the need to go see Quentin Tarantino yes, movies too. for whatever. Compulsory. Uh, and then I watched The Irishman, which has gotten... I feel like that's not going to win anything. Like I liked it. It was fine. It was a good movie. I liked Pesci. 
It's yeah, not gonna, it's not going to win anything. I don't think. You know what? For the, I watched the Irishman. I've seen, I also seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I thought was really entertaining. Uh, the Irishman. It's you know you you watch them and you know it's not really a spoiler. They're going kind of they're, they're shifting timelines yeah, throughout yeah, the yeah. movie, mm-hmm. and you see De Niro as a younger De Niro, and it's really it's, tough, it's not a good sell because no, they should they should just get another actor because what they do is they put the CGI face on him they make him look a little younger mm-hmm. um, but there was a scene that stuck in my mind he was beating up a corner store yes uh, person Dude, the, you're... the owner <laughs> and you could tell he was struggling to keep his balance as an old man because he is uh, doing that scene and it's like okay he's not he's not selling it I need to I need to preference with my listeners that I did not warn him that this is the take I've been making about this movie for like two months now. I'm like I'm sorry you can fix his face, but he still has his arms up like he's a T Rex. That's he's right. Like, I'm just like that man is 75 years old. I'm sorry. That's it's true. tough. Um, yeah, I kind of wish in a weird way in hindsight that he would have just brought in a new set of actors to work with. Like I, I love De Niro. I love Pesci. I love uh, I love Pacino. Like I'm not here to to rag on them. Right. But I've been intrigued to see De Niro make this movie, or sorry, to make Scorsese make this movie with like, get, get, go get like DiCaprio to do it. Go get like some younger actor that you work with. Anyone doesn't make it. Doesn't it. Yeah, I think it would have been a benefit to Scorsese's film. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the Sopranos movie that they're making. Oh. They're making a Sopranos prequel movie <laughs> and they got Gandolfini's son, his real life son, to play young Tony Soprano and I'm really wow. excited. I'm here for that. I don't know if you're a Sopranos guy or not, but... Um, all right, so just one more time before we... Oh, one question I want to ask you. I hate to jump back after the movie thing. Yeah. About the uh, public open house. Okay. This is not the last one, yes? There will be another one afterwards? There'll be another one. Okay. And I plan on, you know, still going out to public meetings. I think the Downtown Community Forum is having a, uh, a meeting February 11th, Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. February 11th, and I, I plan on going to that. So, you know... It's not it's not a part of the official timeline of like public events, sure, but sure, you know, sure. we'll always be out there. We'll try and again keep okay. keep spreading the word. So I didn't mean to jump all the way back. I know, no. but I think because I wanted to make sure because I noticed that the you know Thursday was one, but I think there there will be other opportunities for the public to make you know to voice their opinion about stuff as well too going forward. Yeah. Uh, all right. Very cool. Uh, all right. Derek, it's been a lot of fun having you on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming back after two years. Uh, however, I do have some lightning round questions for you. Uh, these are not the same lightning round questions we did two years ago. Not like I don't remember, but <laughs> that's fine. Uh, so let me start here. Um, what is the worst job that you've ever had that you are allowed to talk about? Oh, uh, being a dishwasher at Applebee's. Ooh. I, I, can't, I can't go there. I can't look at that food. It's awful. I know, <laughs> what, they, I know what they do. Dishwasher's tough, man. Yeah, it is. Can you Do you like any of those kind of restaurants? Like any of those like Chili's, Applebee's, chain-style restaurants? I'm always kind of gun-shy about what I'm going to get when I go to any of them. You know, Uno's isn't Uno's too bad. okay. Yeah, Uno's I don't mind Uno's. I also low-key don't mind an Outback Steakhouse because I don't see them very often. Yeah. Like it's, hey, an Outback. <laughs> get myself a Bloomin' Onion. Uh, what's one possession that you own that you could never get rid of? One possession I own I could never get rid of. Um, outside of my phone, which is like you I'm, I'm desperately tied to. <laughs> yeah. well, in a sad way. <laughs> I talk about this all the time. I I put the Screen Time app on my phone now to let you know like how uh-huh. many hours a day you're using your phone. And I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't totally, like, stop me from using it, but I have noticed over the last, like, six months, I've dropped, like, two hours a day oh, good, off of it. Good just, for you. Well, I, I tell that notification to buzz off, and I just keep going. <laughs> like, you want to ignore this? Yeah, well, please. I think a lot of it, though, you know, you work you, know, you, you work in a job where you're probably dealing with a lot of interaction on your phone, whether it's text messages, emails, all the time anyway. You're probably on yeah. the move a lot. I notice that even in education, 
a lot of the stuff I do is tech-based, and that stuff can be accessed from my phone. So I end up getting a lot of, like, work done on my phone, even though it seems like I'm scrolling through soccer Twitter and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, the reality is I have all my emails on there, you know, my school, my work email, my personal email, my wallet's on there, and I use that way more than I ever did before. Yeah. Because uh, I don't carry cash, really. Yeah. So it's, it's everything. You know, I didn't ask you this early on when we were talking about, are you commuting between here and Albany to do class? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm flexing time uh, at work. And then I'm commuting, yeah, uh, Monday, Monday, Wednesday this semester. I was doing Tuesday, Thursday in the fall. Respect, man. Thank you. Yeah. Shout out to you. Uh, my buddy, I have a friend, uh, he won't get bad. My friend Ben uh, works for the teaching department. Uh, he works for the state ed mm-hmm. at, down in Albany, but he still lives here. So he's driving to Albany every day. Every day. Wow. And, just cause they, and I'm sure that eventually he'll want to move down there to do his thing, but they just haven't yeah. done it yet. But I'm like, man, I give you credit because... I do not care to drive to Albany. <laughs> like, it's not as easy to drive as I give it credit for. No, it's it's monotonous, and it's, you know, watch out for the troopers. I use Waze, by the way. Use Waze. Another nice. critical thing for my phone, but, uh... You yeah. a music guy when you're driving now? You listen to podcasts, podcasts. and stuff? Yeah, what are you listening to these days? It's it's a whole bunch of NPR, but honestly, what what really I enjoy listening to is Mark Maron. Maron, yeah. yeah. Uh, I love Maron. Maron's kind of, like, the reason this show exists in the first yeah. place. Like, Maron and Bill Simmons and kind of that, like, whole crew. Actually, if you're looking for a good one... Uh, you knew Ryan Rosillo is? No. Ryan Rosillo is a ESP, he used to be on ESPN, now he's okay. on The Ringer, but he does like uh, NBA and NFL stuff for The Ringer. Uh-huh. But he gets Chris Long, who used to play for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. The Rams. And the Patri- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And he, uh, he did a football breakdown for the Super Bowl on Wednesday. It was like the best thing I've ever heard. I was like, this was <laughs> amazing. Because he's like a former player, so he's talking about like real aspects of the game. Like, oh, we're going to... Yeah. Buzz the A gap to break up Mahomes and this kind of stuff. It was really cool. Yeah, I'll tell you that's a lot of NPR. NPR, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. My commute is shortened now mm-hmm. because of the way things are, and I, I feel like a lot of the NPR stuff I was listening to all the time, and I've kind of lost some of it. I listen to way too much soccer, like way yeah. too many soccer podcasts <laughs> for my own good. Uh, who would you like to cast to play you in the movie about your life? Uh, well, okay. There's not many like short. Hispanic or black actors, <laughs> and I'm not doing Kevin. Uh, gosh, I don't know. You know, Denzel's too old, but I love Denzel. <laughs> Denzel, <laughs> I love it. Uh, this is a tough one. I've heard. So, if you want to come back to this one after I give it to you, I'll give you a second. Yeah. Who is your favorite fictional villain of all time? Fictional villain of all time. I was going to say something, but it's really probably my brother's favorite fictional villain, but I do love him. Uh, Megatron. Megatron, <laughs> yes! <laughs> he, he had one simple goal in mind. Uh, you know, it's funny. I uh, I was talking about good friend Adam Goldstein not too long ago, and that's been like a joke for us for years because we both remember the Transformers. Not the, the movies from nowadays, but yeah. the cartoon movie from the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I always forget that like they kill Optimus Prime in like the first 10 seconds. Spoiler alert for a movie that's like 35 <laughs> years old. But uh, yeah. and it's like, man, I can't believe this is a kid's movie. They were like, let's just kill all these main characters. <laughs> and turns out years later, I read this about it, it's because they wanted to put out a new line of Transformers toys. Like, we can't keep oh. selling these, so we got to put a movie out where we kill all the old Transformers. Uh, the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I grew up kind of more on the Beast Wars things. I was too young Yo, for the original. Beast Wars. That's a... But I like that reference. Me and, my, yeah, me and my brother would constantly watch Beast Wars, and I loved it. Uh, so Beast Wars is an interesting show. Uh, for folks who don't know what we're talking about, Beast Wars was a Transformers, kind of like spin-off of their animals yeah. and also robots. Yep. But it was from a very special time in 
cartoon animation when they were trying to do that like 3D thing. If you guys remember the TV show Reboot, it was kind of the same idea. Um, it's one of those things as I get older. I talk about this with Nintendo games and like Nintendo 64. If you yeah. play regular Super Mario Brothers 3 on an NES, you're like, wow, this still looks pretty cool. It yep. looks like the artwork is really nice. It's got a particular style. And then if you pick up like some N64, 007. yeah, you're like, wow, this looks <laughs> terrible. This is aged yeah. really poorly. Yep. Uh, Beast Wars is we just got our polygons all together. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of aged a little poorly. Uh, yeah. Did they redo Beast Wars? Is there like a new Beast Wars? I believe there is. Maybe, I haven't seen I'd have to look. I'm going to do my oh. research, my internet research afterwards. Uh, what is your favorite single fast food item of all time? Favorite single fast food? Mm. Are you one of these health nuts who doesn't eat any fast food? No, I eat fast food. <laughs> I don't know. Like the, None of it is like, are they really beating each other out in the echelon of crap? <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, man. I really do like the new... Uh, the new pet is using at McDonald's, you know? The the real meat, supposedly, never Oh, yeah, it. yeah. Um, eh. So, <laughs> I went to McDonald's earlier this week to get a coffee yeah. in the morning. Uh, and they have a breakfast sandwich now. And it's a McGriddle, where they take the two McGriddle things, like the pancakes. Yeah. And they just put a chicken patty in between. It's supposed to be like chicken and waffles. But that's it. There's nothing else <laughs> in it. It's just like, you just put a McChicken on two of these McGriddles. Oh, it's very you. disappointing. Again, so lazy. No, I never really enjoyed all like the gimmicky things, like... Ever since Taco Bell started using the Doritos tacos, it seems like everyone's just like trying to one-up, yes. like, how can we mix in junk food with this? Well, everyone's trying to one-up each other. I think the KFC one that I saw most recently was like, they had a KFC chicken sandwich that was had like Cheetos yeah. underneath yeah. it. It's like, what are we right. doing here, guys? Right. What what society? Do we? we live in a society, guys. <laughs> uh, and last one for you. Well, two more for you. Uh, what would be your dream category if you went on Jeopardy? Like, what's the category that you feel like you got locked down 100% that no one else could top you in? Uh, NFL drafts from 2000 on. <laughs> drafts <laughs> yourself. You and Parkinson. <laughs> That's pretty good. What do you know, like, just whenever anyone got drafted and stuff? Yeah, like, notable people who gotten drafted. Busts or, you know, big players. Yeah. Um, I'm more, I'm better with the NBA on that kind of stuff. Right. We go back a lot, me and Justin and Kevin, and we'll just look back at all. You know what, because I'm a Knicks fan and I'm a masochist. So I'll go back and I'll be like, look at all these players we could have had on this yeah. team over the years. That's what I do. I look at the Jets draft and I'm like, wow, we missed... Uh, Kareem Hunt did, or we missed, uh, no, Elvin Kamara, yeah. like, by, like, ten picks. Like, I really? forgot you're a Jets fan. I think yeah. we talked about this last time. Yeah. Uh, as a Bills fan, I feel for you this year, but not, not really yeah, all thanks. that bad. Do you like Darnold? Is he... I do like Darnold. I think I think he's legit. I do. I think you got to put a team around him. Yeah. No offensive line. It was absolutely abysmal. Would you be fine if Le'Veon Bell was gone? Yeah, I would, as long as we got compensation for him. <laughs> yeah. uh, and last but not least, give me one uh, book album, movie, or television show you are currently listening to, reading, or watching? Okay, it's not currently, but we just finished it, uh, Succession, because I thought that was just awesome. And the guy who plays Logan Roy is amazing. Yeah, Jeremy Strong. He's really good. You know what's funny? I watched the first season of that show, and it took me about four episodes, because I was watching it, and that that guy, uh, Logan, the character, Mm -hmm. um, I was just like, man, this guy's kind of a dud. I don't know if I like this guy. <laughs> and by the end, I'm like, no, this guy's amazing. I'm like, he's a great actor. He has a certain ability to do what I refer to as, like, idiot face. Like, uh-huh. he's he is, like, just, he always has that look on his face where you're like, I don't know if he's there or not. <laughs> is he connected? <laughs> I also, I'm a huge fan of Brian Cox, who plays, uh, is that, he's, he's the old guy, right? He's the father. The patriarch? Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's great. I love him. I, he's got a great voice. Um, again, folks, 
One more time, Thursday, February 6th, 4.30 to 7 p.m. at the Thank You Bader, the DRI Second Public Open House. Uh, go to Facebook.com or uh, or go to UticaDRI.com to get more information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can follow Derek at Derek underscore Crossman.com. Uh, good luck tonight. Syracuse Duke, I'll be watching as well. Um, and I'm... You know what? I want him to win, obviously. Yeah. I think I've showed you I have the Syracuse tattoo on the arm. I have a Syracuse Orangeman tattoo. I don't know if I... Have, not, have we not talked about this? I, don't think I so. My sister went to Syracuse. I did not go to Syracuse, by the way. Uh, my sister went to Syracuse growing up, and I remember thinking that I really, that's where I wanted to go. Yeah. We had, like, lunch on the Carrier Dome, like, uh, on the field oh, when she got wow. accepted. <laughs> that was something they would do for, like, your family. Like, if my sister got accepted there... So when they went to like welcome whatever uh, I don't know welcome week whatever you do with yeah. college or your family comes in yeah they would bring all the families on and they would give you a picnic lunch and you could in the dome eat on the grass at the dome wow. for a picnic lunch it was really cool so ever <laughs> since then I've always had like uh, you know I could never afford to go on my own because I'm not as smart as my sister was uh, but good luck tonight and again thank you so much for thank spending you. time with us appreciate we appreciate it. you uh, and good luck on Thursday I look forward to it and uh, I hope we get a lot of folks out there uh, showing up and getting involved yeah please come down. Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Derek Vincent Crossman, DVC, as I was calling him. I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask you if he calls himself DVC because if not, he should. <laughs> if he does, great minds. Uh, so, like we said, UticaDRI.com if you want more information about the event. It is Thursday, February sixth, at the Thinky Bader uh, from four thirty to seven. Depending on how much schoolwork I have that night, I'd like to go. I'm actually kind of curious to see what some of the different ideas are. Uh, he mm-hmm. did mention it's sort of split between all sorts of things, like fifty-one. Businesses, nonprofits, individuals, private businesses. So I'm yeah. really curious. That sounds great. Um, all right, Heather is still here. Weirdly, I was. I'm still here. I was expecting you to use this as an escape to get away before no. history lessons. Uh, should have though, right? You well, I'm sorry. I got. I got to go. Heather's kid <laughs> is sick. <laughs> I got to go. All right. Let's. Uh, well, it's actually been a few weeks since I feel like since we did proper history lessons. It's true. So. We almost completely shamed them out of them. We were this close, but now they're back. And with greater highlighting. Oh, wow. I whole pages. <laughs> you know, he's got access to a printer again. He's back I do have oh. access to a printer again. Uh, all right. There's even writing on there. He's like, edit additional. <laughs> oh, all right, you two. On this day, 1938, uh, the very first uh, Disney film of, of real merit, animated Disney film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, mm-hmm. is released. Which is crazy when you watch it to realize it was 1938. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally... Yeah. It's actually an analogy I was thinking about when I watched it. One of my favorite movies as a kid was uh, from 1933. It was the original King Kong. And I think the same thing. People must have been blown away when they went to the theater to see this in 1938. Right? Like, just the idea of, like, what they're seeing on the screen. Like, how it looks and how it's, like, so ahead of its time. It must have really been amazing for people to see at the time. That's all I can think of. Yeah, true. I don't know if we have that in today's, like world now because we feel like we've seen everything in cinema avatar avatar it was the last time it that. happened for people yeah i mean when people went to see it like in 3d on like the full imax and everything yeah even that'd be, that messed people up jurassic park maybe jurassic park would count on that kind of yeah, yeah for sure terminator 2 maybe not really i mean now you're starting to get a little yeah no, now, now, you're you're, now you're in the weeds no i'm just right? curious yeah yeah feels like there's 
Well, there has to be some sort of change in the technology, right, that makes things happen. It doesn't always happen. Like, I feel like in this didn't happen as much in the 70s because the technology was kind of the same in the 70s for the most part, right? Better film, like, quality maybe. Anyhow, uh, making more money than any other motion picture up until that time, uh, the popularity of Snow White led it to be re-released theatrically many times until its uh, home video release in 1990. We've talked about this. Disney had a track record of doing this especially for their early movies. Uh, Pinocchio, Jungle Book, a lot of these movies would get released every, like, five or six years into theaters. I saw Snow White at the movies when I was little. Really? Yeah. This version? Like, the animated one? Yeah. Were you scared by the witch? When I was a kid, I didn't like the I witch. I remember. Yeah, I, I didn't care. I remember my dad taking me. I think it was actually at the Stanley Theater they had, like, a showing. Mm. Um, it was added to the uh, Library of Congress in 1989. Uh, it was considered... Uh, through a list by the American Film Institute as the greatest American animated film of all time in 2008. I I mean, but maybe the most important. I don't know if it's my favorite, the greatest, but it's certainly one of the most important, right? Mm. Um, I, and you guys ever go to Disneyland when you were kids? No. You never went to Disneyland? Have you ever to Disneyland? Yeah. Uh, Snow Land or world? Land. Land? California? Well, I, it's the same yeah. ride was at World and Land, so... Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, sure. There was a ride called Snow White's Scary Adventures, which is a popular theme park ride in Disneyland, Disney World. Uh, it was an opening day attraction in 1955 at the original mm. Disneyland. Uh, it was replaced in 2014 by uh, the Princess Fairytale Hall, which is essentially a costume meet-and-greet now, so they got rid of the ride. Mm -hmm. I only remember this because when I went as a kid, uh, the lines were outrageously long. For all the Disney Land, uh, Disney World rides of my sisters, and as you get to the ride, there is just this repeating, monotonous warning that's like, "When the ride is over, please step off to the left. The ride is complete. When the ride is complete, and it goes on and on and on, and you're standing in line for like thirty minutes, and we were just, we got like punch drunk listening to it, and it became like an ongoing family oh, joke." Remember. Uh, please stand. Uh, please step off to the left when the ride is over. Uh, surprise, surprise! In October 2016, a live-action adaptation of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was announced. Uh, principal photography begins in March of 2020. Disney really just loves to do these live-action remakes. Mm. Can't. I don't know how you make this one. Uh, any. It's easier than a lot of them. It's got to be really dark. I feel like it has to be really dark. That doesn't seem to be what Disney's doing though. Didn't they already make, like, a dark version of Snow White in the 70s? That was a different... That was, like, Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, it had, like, oh, yeah. Kristen... I think it was a different kind of thing. Kristen Stewart there yeah. in it. It's a real yeah. brooding uh, Snow White. Yeah. Isn't, Hem isn't one of the Hemsworths in that movie? One of them. Is it the good one? No. It's not... No. <laughs> the crummy... The, not the good Hemsworth. Uh, all right. So, very good. We'll move on. On this day, 1948, oof. American hard rock and metal, heavy metal singer Alice Cooper is born. Uh, what do you guys know about Alice Cooper? He wore a lot of eyeliner. A lot of eyeliner. Hair. What do you remember him from most? I think he bite something's head off. Hey, good call. I love that. Great for <laughs> you. Uh, he was probably the most coverage for mainstream press was due to a report that Cooper uh, had bit the head off of a live chicken and drank its blood on stage oh, during God. a concert. This never happened, mind you. This is mm. just folklore. Um... He's known for guillotines, electric chairs, fake blood, boa constrictors. Shock rock is the genre that he is referred to. Can you, Kevin, can you name an Alice Cooper song? Sure. School's Out for Summer. That's one School's of Out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he's also known from 1987 for appearing at WrestleMania 3, escorting professional wrestler Jake the Snake Roberts to the ring against his opponent, the Honky Tonk Man, because he obviously hated honky-tonk music as a shock rocker. 
that was in front of 93,000 people, so it's probably a big moment for him. Jake the Snake Roberts loved it, apparently. Uh, but one of the things that he's most known for now is his cameo in the 1992 uh, comedy film Wayne's World, uh, where he appears at a backstage party. Uh, the movie's main characters, Wayne and Garth, discover that when offstage, Cooper is a calm, articulate uh, individual who discusses uh, the history of Milwaukee with them in depth. Which is actually true about Alice Cooper, like, as a guy. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. smart guy. Um, Excellent golfer, they say. Yeah, great golfer. Um, however, this is where you get the we're not worthy, we're not worthy thing from with mm -hmm. Wayne and Garth. Send and... it back. <laughs> yeah, send it send back. Send it back. One send of my it... least favorite tropes, one of my, my most hated overworked jokes is when people do the fake the bow thing. The fake bow, to yeah. To people, mm -hmm. especially if they're not fully committed. Like a halfway or three-quarter fake bow, we're not worthy thing. Yeah, shit Makes bow. me want to eject you into yeah, the yeah. sun. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I, I hate it. I, I mean, hate when people. Well, like when you see bow. somebody come out that, like, you know, like you'll see it on like a wrestling or a certain wrestler comes out, you see two idiots in the front doing this thing. Yeah. Dude, I hate it so much. <laughs> it's hard for me to overstate how much I hate when I see people do it. Uh, I highlighted this specifically because I know how much you hate. Uh, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. I know. It's not even the we're not worthy, although I dislike that, but it's specifically that weird bow thing. Weirdly, it's kind of like a standing position. Where yeah, you yeah. Like mail it in. It's kind of ruined that joke from the movie for me, actually. It wasn't a good joke in the movie either, to be fair. No, it's all right. It's not. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually. Right, it's a step below good in my book. I do prefer the line where uh, he gives him the history of Milwaukee, and Wayne's just like, "Does this guy know how to party or what?" That's a better. <laughs> that's a funnier line. <laughs> I agree. Sequence. They tried to redo that in Wayne's World too, with I want to say like Steven Tyler or somebody, mm -hmm. like some other prominent musician, and it's just like mm -hmm. diminishing returns. Yeah, for sure. Wayne's World 2, not a bad movie. I don't uh, remember Wayne's World 2. Wayne Stock. They have a, he throws his own concert. Oh. You remember that? Kind of. All I remember from that is uh, Christopher Walken's in it, and they have the joke about oh, the first yeah. Presbyterian Church and the second Presbyterian Church across the street. Um, on this day, 1952, the very first Don't Walk signs are installed in New York City. Mm. Uh, the installation of the sign was inspired by, surprise, surprise, the growing number of deaths resulting from pedestrian accidents. Makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, so do you know how in, if you go down on Genesee Street, they actually have the ones that have the button that you can hit mm -hmm. and it lets you know? Sure. Uh, reports suggest that many walk buttons in places like New York City and the United Kingdom are actually either placebo buttons or non-working call buttons. That used, <laughs> that yeah, normally just function correctly. Uh, maybe not in like Utica or a less no, popular. No, everywhere. Is yeah. everywhere? Yeah, yeah. I said this to my husband, I go, he's like, no, they work. I'm like, no, they're on fixed timers. Like, there's, it's not working. Yeah. I don't believe that they're working. I don't. The only place you'll catch it where they do work, because some of them do, is just in places where if you've got a crossing where, like, say, past like, late at night or a certain time, the light goes to a different schedule where it's generally, like, it will be green unless it senses something needs to yeah. go. Right. Right. Yes. Right, right, right. But a lot of that has been rebased on, like, sensors up on the lights as well to check for a car. Mm -hmm. But there are some of them, yeah, like, that work if, oh, somebody's right here and yeah. they need it so we can yeah. do this. But, yeah. That uh, makes sense. Um, yeah, designed to give uh, pedestrians an illusion of control while the crossing signals continue to operate as programmed. I always used to laugh about this in New York because uh, the signs are kind of irrelevant. People just kind of, not just in New York, people go whenever they want anywhere. Sure. Uh, but man, like, I, I remember taking kids to New York for a trip we did. We took the kids on a field trip. And I was, you know, trying to be responsible adult. But, like, within, like, two stops, I'm like, all right, kids, come on, let's go. We're moving. <laughs> We're going across the street. There's no car coming. Can't help it. Um, the signs offer no assistance in a big city like New York. All right, on this day, 
53. Oceanographer Jacques Cousteau's last slash most famous book, The Silent World, is published. What do you know about Jacques don't Cousteau? Don't even look at me. <laughs> well, what do you, well, that's what I'm curious. What I don't do you, know. I've heard. I don't know. Okay, what do you think? What comes to mind when you think of Jacques Cousteau? Jacques Cousteau, the father of modern scuba diving and marine biology. That is correct. He was a French naval officer, so. explorer, conversationalist, filmmaker, inventor, scientist, photographer, Researcher, he developed the Aqualung. He pioneered marine conservation and is a member of something called the Académique Francois. So there you go. He described his underwater world research in a series of books. Uh, the one we talked about, his most famous, The Silent World, a story of undersea discovery and adventure, was published in 1953. Uh, he was also notable for directing films, uh, most notably the documentary adaptation of this book, The Silent World, which won the Palme d'Or in the 1956 Cannes Film Festival. For until 2004, he remained the only person to ever win the Palme d'Or with a documentary film. Uh, that was until Michael Moore's 2004 film Fahrenheit 9-11 won it. Um, he's done more than 120 television documentaries, more than 50 books, an environmental protection foundation with 300,000 members. He helped create a new kind of scientific communication criticized at the time uh, by some academics. It is called divulgationism, okay? Uh, and this is essentially popular science. He introduced, introduced the idea of speaking about science in a easy to easy to handle way that people could understand. And most, uh, most like modern scientific things you see on TV, like if you go watch Cosmos or something that came out, that's a good example of what you would consider popular science. Uh, Jacques Cousteau is one of those kind of things I feel like I felt I knew the tropes of before I understood who it was, right? Mm. Like that weird sort of French voice in Under the Sea, like we are 20,000 feet under the sea and looking at the end. You see a lot of cartoons and like TV mm. shows like reference that. Yeah. Um, I also think of the Wes Anderson movie, um, The Life Aquatic, which is mm. essentially like a comedy version of Jacques Cousteau. I don't know. That's all I got on Jacques. Any thoughts on Jacques Cousteau while we're at it before I move on? Uh, I did a book report on Jacques Cousteau when I was a kid, like a Jacques Cousteau biography. I was oh, say. Like, like fourth grade, maybe fifth grade, whatever it was. So you didn't read The Silent World? Uh, no, I don't think... I don't... The Silent World wasn't really at my level. It was something more sure. like a... You know what I mean? Like a larger size, like children's kind of biography, you know, where it talks about his life and more like paints in broad scopes and you have to go like do the presentation in the class and report on mm -hmm. the book and stuff. But I picked him because I was always really interested in, I mean, I've always been really interested in animals, but, like, the undersea and, like, all, like, the sharks and the octopus yeah, yeah. and all that different stuff. So, yeah. I'm trying that's to about think. It. God, I'm trying to think. I definitely had to do that at one point in time in my life. Like, you pick, it was for music class, I think. You had to pick, like, sure. a band or an individual to do the report on. Mm. And at the time, I was, like, you know, huge, huge Beatles fan. Like, that was, like, all I listened to. And I did, like, Paul McCartney, and I remember doing that, and, like, every kid in my class, like, rolled their eyes at me. They're like, ugh. Really, yeah. you gotta listen to like old man music. Mm -hmm. Everyone was doing like Dave Matthews at the time, mm -hmm. right? Yikes. Uh, well, it was a time and place. Uh, and on this day, 2014, uh, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno ends. Uh, after 22 years of hosting The Tonight Show, Jay Leno retired from his position, uh, and the show was set to be taken over by late show host Jimmy Fallon, uh, who had grown in popularity. Uh, Leno had previously left The Tonight Show for comedian Conan O'Brien to take over, but then came back later that same year. Uh, we'll talk more about the actual Tonight Show. Uh, in a, it's an American show based at NBC Studios in Rockefeller Center and has been airing there since 1954. There have been six comedians who have hosted the Tonight Show uh, in, in the past. Can you name all of them? Can you guys figure them out? What are you, are you counting, like, guest hosts? No, no, no. The six main hosts of the Tonight Show since the 50s. Uh, I gave you one of them, obviously. Gosh. Fallon, Conan, Leno, Carson. Fallon? 
Conan, Leno, Carson, oh, very good. There are two others. They're tough. I, these are the two yeah. I wouldn't expect you to get. Because I know there were people who had like long time. I guess I was like, oh, Don Rickles is on there a lot. You know, yeah. other dudes like that, but they weren't the actual host. How about Steve Allen? That name do anything for no, you? He was the original one, I believe. And then Jack Parr. That's another one that people yeah. talk about. No. All right, well there you go. Uh, over the for more than sixty years, Tonight Show's only gone uh, minor title changes. Uh, matter of fact, since Jimmy Carson, uh, Johnny Carson, nineteen sixty two, it's always been called the Tonight Show plus whatever the host's name is. Carson was the longest-serving host to date, although he did not host the most episodes because Leno was pumping out episodes at a crazy pace. Uh, Conan O'Brien, of course, is the shortest-serving host who only did 146 episodes before Leno came back and took his job from him. Do you have any particular late-night show host that you liked the best in your life growing up? I would say Conan, for me, was the one that I first actually started paying attention to. Yeah, I liked Letterman a lot when I was young. Um, yeah. And like now uh, I love Colbert. I yeah, Colbert does a great job. Um, and you know, obviously, he was a big Conan guy. I like Conan quite a bit. I tried to rank the current ones. Does John Stewart count? Or is that a different yeah, thing? That was a eh, I think that's different. I mean, okay. like particularly like the Tonight Show, not sure. like the uh, half hour format type show. Sure. Of the current ones, and in case I missed any, but I sort of ranked it as Colbert, Kimmel, Seth Meyers, Fallon. Yeah, I like Kimmel. People always forget about Kimmel. I forget about Kimmel because he's on ABC. I feel like I'm missing somebody. Who's opposite? Who's the opposite late night person for Seth Meyers? Is it not James Corden? Oh, Corden. Yeah. I'm kind of burned out on Corden. Should he be. Got overdone. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah, the carpool not carrier. Not really a nice guy. Really? Everything you read about him. Yeah. Like, I'm never... really sort of a nasty guy. Huh. Some of the best branding on his show. His set looks amazing. His set and his graphics are my favorite out of all of them. But that's about it. Really? I'm curious about this guy. Yeah, yeah. He was a jerk. Yeah, very, very uh, poorly regarded guy. Huh. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, all right. You guys, I'll do one bit from other blogs before we move on to toward the end here today. Uh, all right. Here's the question. It's in the form of a sentence or half. I was at a coffee shop counter, and the cashier wouldn't take my order until I took out my AirPod. I only had it in one ear. Am I the asshole here? So I guess the question is, yeah. should you keep your headphones in if you go up to a yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah. You're a jerk. Take it out. Yeah. I mean... Um, I feel conflicted on that. I feel like if... A lot of people use them for talking. If it's just in your ear, but you're having a making eye contact and having a full conversation and interacting with the person, I don't see why they would have to take it out. Yeah, just pop it out. It's rude. I, I don't mean, think like sometimes you even know they're in there. Like, well, that's fair. If you don't know like, that you have something in your ear, I don't know what to tell you. I think like like if, like, if you don't know that you have a chunk of I think like if you're in the city and you're like walking around canal? and that's in your ear all the time, I don't know. I don't find just it. Just pop it out real if, quick. If you're having a conversation, you and I are talking, I sure. have to have an AirPod and you don't even see it because my hair's covering it or something, does that make... Yeah, sure. I mean, technically, if you've got it hidden and I don't know it's there, it doesn't affect me. But like generally, yeah, if you walk in, the polite thing to do would just be pop it out. Because like, here's my argument for it is what, what does it really, what does it really cost you to just pop the thing out of your ear real quick? I mean, whether you're listening in, to it or not, whether one, you're paying attention, I just deal. don't understand like why it's that hard to just. Yeah, I. You know, I it's I, not like there's some procedure for getting it in there. I'm not asking you to take out like your implant or something. Uh, I'm probably biased on this because I hate AirPods at the moment because of my current job. Uh, sure. But I think about this more in context, like when people pull up to a drive-through, like a fast food restaurant or something, and they leave their radio on or their music on. Like that's that's, that's I, worse to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, at least an, yeah, that's an entirely different thing. At least an AirPod is less intrusive. Although my first thought is, if someone doesn't take the AirPod out when I'm taking an order for me, that they don't value my service to them, right? Like, 
I'm yeah, 100%. immediately like a little more. I think more... it's an impolite way to treat service workers, and I think people should get over themselves. Like you can pop it out for the 90 seconds it takes you to order coffee, while you deal with the human being who's probably not getting paid enough to prepare your overpriced coffee beverage. Or something's on. It's just in your ear. I don't know. I don't then, understand. Then why not take it out? <laughs> I don't understand. Then what do you got to keep it in for? Because <laughs> I'm not being disrespectful and not listening. I mean, if I have one in my ear, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Uh, so two quick things, uh, sort of odd news before we leave. Uh, guys, did you know that in uh, – what's our current body temperature? Are oh, you... 98.6. 98.6 degrees. Apparently, that's no longer the case. Uh, over the last 50 years, the human body temperature has gone down, and they cannot explain exactly why. So apparently 98.6 degrees is no longer – Climate change. <laughs> climate change is the whole climate is free, is getting colder. Is that what it is? Uh so apparently, when you do that now, it's like 0.58 degrees lower than it was oh when they came up with that number. So I guess that makes us like uh, 97 point something? 97.9? I don't know. 97.9. It's like 99. Was it 98.7? Yeah, I guess, yeah. So you, just, you said it's minus point, 0.5, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's 98.3. And I have a fever like every day. <laughs> Like, maybe this has to do maybe this is why your son's sick all the time because you're not paying attention to his, his proper he's his not, proper he temperature last year this is his like first week of being sick in a year poor kid tough and you can't explain it to the kids no. about like being sick you know yeah. what I mean you can't like explain to them yeah. hey bud you're just you know this, this, this is what's, what's gonna happening. happen the yeah, doctor yeah. came and tell you they're like he's a virus that's mm-hmm. all they say they don't even know what it is they just say it's a virus yeah <laughs> what's that did he have tubes in his ears we talked about this already? yeah so he got tubes last year and he had never he didn't get sick after that. Mm-hmm. He had seven ear infections last year. That's why I was never here. There you go. Um, and then he had those in, and he never got one. Then he just got a virus from daycare. So yeah. it's been like a year without a fever. That's nice. I know. Is that like I'm trying? Okay, so this happened to me as I was a kid. There's like pictures of me with the tubes in my ears when I was a little kid because in the 80s you just took pictures of whatever your kid was doing. Um, <laughs> as opposed to now, people know, are taking pictures worse. of their they kids. Their kids at the dentist. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, is it physically? I guess maybe explain it to me like I'm five if you know it. Like what? Is it really just they put a tube in your ear because it gets clogged up? They physically like put that thing in there? No, they cut it a hole in it. They cut a hole in it. In your ear. And then they stick the tube in there to help drain it. And then they pull it out when they're done? Well, usually they fall out on their own. They don't normally have to do surgery to take them out. That seems so unsettling. Yeah, <laughs> you think about it, like, the more you think about almost any and all kind of medicine, it's all a little bit unsettling. <laughs> yeah. like, I know who's I can't remember, somebody I was talking to or like somebody that I know, uh, you know, some older folk. Maybe a relative or something. Yeah, I was hearing about uh, one of my uncles. I was hearing about on Christmas, he had to get a pacemaker put in. Ooh, pacemaker. And like when you think about that, that's the same kind of thing. So you got a machine in there pumping your heart for you. <laughs> Full on machine. I picture it sort of like a guitar pedal. Mm. About the size of a guitar pedal <laughs> hooked up into your heart. And I'm just like, hmm. Seems a little suspect. I just assume it's like an old school with like cogs spinning, like gears yeah. turning, like it's the 1930s or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So this one comes from the world. This story comes from the world of weird food combinations. Uh, I'm a big, as you guys know, big fan of Coca-Cola. Love a Coca-Cola. One of my favorite mm-hmm. uh, things in the world. I read apparently that if you go to certain places in the American South, it is common to pour a handful of peanuts into your Coca-Cola. Mm. And then drink it and have some of the peanuts go in your mouth so you can have a salty slash sweet snack. And this skeeved me out immensely. So I wanted to pitch this to you guys about your thoughts about a glass of Coca-Cola with salted peanuts floating around in the top of it. 
Yes or no? Yeah. I'd give it a shot. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I don't know. And if people are doing it, it's and just it's a peanuts. thing, it's just salty, like a salty Salty treat. and sweet like, is good. Yeah. Like a chocolate-covered yeah, pretzel yeah. with yeah. Something, sea salt. Salty and sweet is good. Something about it, because I feel like with the peanuts sitting there, they're going to get, like, I guess like, it wouldn't They're going to get, like, what, though? It, I guess it doesn't really affect the texture of the peanut, No, really. it's, not, it's a peanut. It's yeah. pretty sturdy. We'll try it next week. We're not talking about putting, like, you know... Croutons. They started putting croutons in yeah. your thing or something like that. What's the weirdest food combination that you remember eating as a kid that like, you told people and they're like, oh no. Oh. Ketchup Uh-oh. and mayonnaise. Ketchup Uh-oh. and mayonnaise together? Needs to mix in. That's, so that's like literally a sauce that Yeah, they now they sell. make that now. That's a real thing. Well, Mine it says was cool when I was. Mayo eating. chup. Mayo chip. Yeah, that's what it says on the outside. Right. Yeah, yeah. people out of that I guess mind. that was the thing that people thought was gross. That I was guess. it? Yeah, I'm trying to think. People. Well, yeah, I would have. I would have skewed that a little bit by that. Uh, that people line. think peanut butter and cheese is weird. That's weird. Yeah, I would eat that. Um, I, yeah. My great grandmother make when I was a kid some Great Depression stuff. A lot of th- it was I, good though. It was nice. I, you know what probably I mean? was like a nice slice of like orange American cheese and just regular peanut butter. Huh. Uh, mm-hmm. I found a list and it was like a BuzzFeed list of people putting up their weird food Ooh, combinations. I would dip crackers and applesauce. Uh, Kaz does saltines that. and apple Kaz does Kelly. that right now. Boy. No. I do like. Boy. I don't know if this is a weird one. I used to like cheddar cheese and Granny Smith apples together. No, no that's, that's not that's, wrong. That's we had that yesterday apples. at my house. Standard, yeah. uh, so here's a couple that people put on their BuzzFeed lists, right, for grossest food combinations: Cheetos and milk. That's gross. That's that's <laughs> disgusting. Uh, peanut butter and pickle sandwich. I'd eat that totally. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah. Like a second. Yeah. yeah. Uh, frosted flakes and cheese. Gross. Salami and grapes. Yeah, I need that. I mean, on that one. That's like that's, a, that's a charcuterie yeah. board. Melted, <laughs> melted chocolate on a cheese pizza. Mm, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. Oh, peanut butter on a hamburger. Peanut butter. On oh a yeah, yeah. Mm. You ever had a peanut butter and jelly burger somewhere? No. I've is that a thing? That. Slaps. Where did I just see yeah, one yeah. at? Yeah. And I they did it. I know they they had done them. I've had them at Celtic Heart before for like just like daily special because they do. Celtic Carpet has excellent burgers, and they've got like a daily special menu. They've always got like four or five different things. Mm. So you, sometimes you get out there in some weird yeah, variety. Sure. <laughs> and I went in one day when I used to work at the brewery, and I went across the street for lunch, and I'm you know looking at their specials menu. I was talking to my friend who's behind the bar, and she's like, "Oh, you should try the peanut butter and jelly burger." I'm like, oh, "Are you sure?" She goes, just "Trust me." And I trust this girl's judgment pretty mm-hmm. well. I know her pretty well, and uh, it was excellent. Yeah, I was really surprised. I mean, if it works on chicken wings, no, I hear you. you know, yeah. Spoiler alert for slice, but yeah. you know, <laughs> it's true. That's the purple cow is uh, peanut butter and cheese. We mentioned already. Yeah. How about peanut butter and onion sandwich? No onions, never. I love onions. No I onions, do it. never. I do it. Never. Onions are disgusting. Oh, they're so good. They're disgusting. It's my favorite thing to put in food. Literally like ruins everything. food. You couldn't I even pick them off. I mess, I mess with onions. pick them off. Love them. Uh, yeah. Oreos dipped in orange juice. Miss me with That's that. Gross. That's a little schoon body. Uh, vanilla ice cream with soy sauce. You could probably talk me into that. Oh, yeah. I right. bet you could. Yeah. little umami. You, you want the yeah, peanuts yeah. and, you get the and salt. Coca-Cola? You have to understand how much of a fetishist he is for Coca-Cola. Oh, okay. You have to understand like how just, much he okay. respects the recipe. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, you have to understand. Okay. Uh, Frunions and cream cheese. I'm a fan of Doritos and cream I cheese, so that. I can see where this yeah. is right yeah, in that yeah. same yeah. kind of yeah. wheelhouse. Sure. Cream cheese is, I mean, that's the base of most cream chip dips you'll get anywhere. So. Uh, popcorn and ketchup. Miss me with anything with added ketchup. I, I am not mean, a fan of ketchup. I ketchup that was one I was going like to talk that. about before, but it didn't even seem weird. Um, you can put potato chips in ketchup. Yeah, that skews me out too. Gravy lays. Nah. Yeah, it's or like how, homemade chips. How is it different than French fries? Yeah. I just think I have a low tolerance for ketchup. That's fair, but okay. how is it different than French fries? French fries are hot. Yeah, you know, heat up the chips, I guess. I know, that's <laughs> no good. <laughs> Can't be heating up they the like chips. They like the ketchup flavored chips are a big thing in Canada. You'll see yeah. them around here every once in a while, but up there, it's like a standard go to. 
salted crisps with Nutella. So chips and Nutella. Sure. That's probably fine. Sure. I mean, yeah. Rice with ketchup, ice cream with fries. That's not odd. I do those. Yeah, those are all pretty... Popcorn and marshmallows? That's weird. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I can see, because when you get like a, like a popcorn ball that they sell sometimes, yeah, like a yeah, big yeah, sale yeah. type thing, you know what I mean? You said a hamburger with jelly. How about a hot dog with jelly? Sure. Same principle applies, I guess. You do it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I not guess... rushing right out for it, but I mean, I'm sure it's okay. <laughs> uh, and I guess like, most of these seem pretty straightforward. So I'll just share one last one. My dad, when I was a kid, I think I've talked about this before, mm-hmm. would do peanut butter, jelly, and mayonnaise as a sandwich. I, mm-hmm. My dad did that. It's like mm-hmm. a, I think it was a generation thing. It sounds gross. It's it's not. It's fine. I have a low tolerance for mayonnaise too, but it's Love it's mayonnaise. just fine. I think the idea of mayonnaise skis me out more than the actual taste of it. I well, eat it out of eggs? a jar. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. Like I know it's just eggs, but it's, God, it's good. Well, you eat it like I what? pudding. Like, I'll eat it. You eat it like pudding? Pudding. Uh, that's yeah. a lot for me. That's a lot. That's, that's, a, that's even, I, I like mayonnaise, and that's, I like, that's quite it. a bit for like, me. Like, I would eat it. Just... As a matter of fact. Uh, so there you go. Send yeah, this... you got to go get the mayo chop from the grocery store. <laughs> I swear it's a thing. It comes in the Heinz bottle. They got all sriracha too. They got all sorts of ones now. Like they they went wild. It's like ketchup and mustard in one jar, ketchup and mayonnaise in one jar, ketchup and like sriracha, condiments barbecue. The condiments aisle in the grocery store is one of my favorite aisles. Oh yeah, I love condiments. Because I just loved. They're all such cool bottles and labels. I can walk through. I always want to buy like a hundred things. I'm like, what do I need? 40 different kinds of mustard for. I yell that all the time for too many yeah. condiments. And that's how we end up with so many different, because I'm like that too, and that's how you end up with so many different condiments in the fridge. So I'm like, that looks interesting, and then you try it, I'm like, oh no, this was a mistake. Yeah, what was that one? You got that one. There was a weird barbecue sauce you got. Was... I like the habanero barbecue sauce with the lime that you don't no, no, like. Weird, no, the weird one that tasted like black olives, the Sweet Baby Ray's. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't very yeah, good. Yeah. I don't know, I was up for something new. Uh, all right, folks, so send us your weirdest food combinations if we didn't get through it on the list. Uh, and I'll let Heather go to be with her family and, and abandon us. Go. Go see your kid. Go I'm waiting. We're not done. We're, we're almost we're not, I'm done. I'm waiting. Uh, follow Heather at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Or you can follow me at SF Doom. Or just follow the show at Uticast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. We're taking it over the web. Uh, sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, the tape machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time. We will see you next week as we continue our countdown to our five-year anniversary. It's getting very close. I know. Five years. Can't believe it's finally here. All right, folks. We'll catch you next week. Have a good one, and uh, be safe out there.